You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So welcome to this episode of the Roxpile Rockies Report, brought to you by Roxpile.com. My name is Kevin Henry, one of the co-experts on Roxpile, joined today by my friend and fellow co-expert, Noah Yingling. Good morning, Noah. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? Hey, good. Good. Uh, you know, good after a uh, Rockies uh, walk-off win. Uh, we haven't had a whole lot of uh, walk-offs, let alone wins, to celebrate this season. So it was nice to see uh, uh, Nolan come through there in the ninth for the Rocks. Yeah, it's hopefully maybe it's the start of a stretch where the Rockies can get back on track and get maybe give some fans some hope. But I mean, we've seen it before where the Rockies have a win, but they just can't string some together. But maybe since they're facing the Marlins this weekend, they'll be able to start getting back to maybe even 500. Well, it's been it's been interesting to me to see, you know, if I look back at their last three wins, it came against the Giants on the final game of the series uh, at Coors Field. Then they left for Houston, got swept, uh, left for San Diego, won on Columbia to avoid the sweep, and then this one yesterday with Nolan to, again, avoid the sweep. So it's like those last games of the series are kind of uh, uh, coming through, so... I don't know if there's something to that, but I thought that was kind of interesting that at least they're they're uh, showing some pluck at the end of the series to avoid the sweep. Yeah, and I mean, hopefully, maybe it's because the they're kind of desperate. I mean, but hopefully <laughs> they can, like I said, hopefully they can try to string some together against the Marlins team that's that's honestly not as good as the other teams, even. Even the Padres, they're not as good as the Padres. I mean, yeah. the Marlins, as we enter the series, well, they play today. The Rockies have an off day. But entering Thursday here, they're 31 games under 500. Yeah, and, and you know, it's funny. The, uh, the Denver Post put out an article this morning about the Rockies are in the conversation for the worst team in the National League. and Record-wise, maybe, you know, I, I think there's still a little bit to fall there for that to really be a discussion. But talent-wise, you look at what the Rockies lineup can throw out there, and certainly they haven't produced this year. We know that. But talent-wise, just up and down versus the Marlins lineup, it, it doesn't seem to be even in the same ballpark, at least in my very biased mind, but I, I don't think it is. 
Yeah, I mean, that that's part of the thing that's been so confusing about this season is, you know they have the talent. And I mean, obviously there were some areas entering the season that even the people who were viewed by the so-called optimists, they were, or like, for example, for you and I, we were kind of viewed as pessimist on the season when we thought it would the Rockies would be 500 and a little bit above 500 but in the wild card hunt I mean as we've seen we were the pessimist view it's been worse than the pessimist view shall I say because I mean who in the world thought that we would be sitting here in the middle of August and the Rockies are more than a dozen games under 500. Yeah, and, you know, our, our uh, friend and colleague, Aaron Hurt, uh, who writes many good articles for us, uh, you know, it's funny because Aaron talked earlier this week about, you know, their goal should be to win 70 games. And at first, when I first saw that, I was like, what? And then you look, and it's like, you know, at the pace that they've played and the amount of games left, that's actually a very interesting thought that 70 should be a goal. And, and again, you're right. We all talked before the season, or at least you and I did about that, you know, the Rockies hadn't done enough and, and, you know, they were just a couple of injuries away from really having a, a tough season. And sure enough, you know, that's exactly what has happened, but I don't think anybody said, well, they're going to be fighting to win 70 games this season. Yeah. And I think part of it was, I mean, at least for me, I expected more out of the pitching staff. I didn't think it was as good. Uh, I did not think Kyle Freeland and Herman Marquez were both going to be in the top five and Cy Young voting by any stretch. But, I mean, we still thought they were, the Rockies would be able to get more out of them, particularly Freeland. And yesterday, for example, I mean, his outing wasn't terrible. His uh, His line score looks worse than... It was, um, but still, I mean, he gave up five runs in six innings, and that's not even close to one of his worst starts of the season, and that's that's the unfortunate thing for the Rockies this year. I mean, he he and most of the pitching staff in general has just been yeah. so unreliable, and I mean, at the beginning of the year, I mean, I didn't think that Freeland would pitch to a 285 ERA and coming forth in the Cy Young again. But I also didn't think that he would have to be right. sent down to Albuquerque for six weeks and entering the middle of August, he would have an ERA no, of seven. So, I mean, even if he could have pitched to a four ERA, the the Rockies would be in a better spot. But, I mean, even if the if some of the other pitching staff members pitched somewhere in the middle, they would be at least in the wild card. Well, and you and I talked before we started recording this about Freeland's ERA ticked up just slightly yesterday uh, with his outing. So, you know, whenever I look at something like that, I go, okay, so that was a, quote, average outing for this season then, you know, because he was right about on par. And, and again, we're, did we expect some regression with Freeland and Marquez? Absolutely. And, I, I'm, you know, I, I'm still surprised more people didn't. But I don't think any of us expected that much of a, a slide down a slippery slope. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I mean, even if you look at his last three for Freeland, you look at his last three starts before he got sent down to Albuquerque, and you don't even include yesterday's start, where it was, uh, but it would still be about the same because, as we mentioned, uh, his ERA went up from seven oh six to seven oh nine. But so the last three starts before he got sent back to Albuquerque. And his first six starts returning from Albuquerque, he has an ERA of eight ninety two. Jeez, batters are hitting three seventy yeah. against. Yeah, I mean, it, how? And, how and, and I think that's play? the biggest question, which you just said right there. With with what is going on right now, a lot of times rotation wise, and, and absolutely, Herman has thrown out some gems this year. John Gray has done. An excellent job at times steadying this rotation, but there's just way too often that a Lambert, a Chichi Gonzalez, a Jeff Hoffman, a, you know, let's flash back to a Tyler Anderson, you know, so many guys who have gone out there and the Rockies are down so quickly, uh, that, you know, it's, it's been disheartening and you, and you can kind of see it in, in the eyes and read between the lines and some of the comments that we're hearing in the, uh, the locker room. Yeah, and I mean, even Freeland, first start of the season, opening day against the Marlins, seven innings, two hits, one run. We thought, oh, okay, that, I mean, it's, we, like we said with the Marlins, they're not a good team. But at least, hey, you got a good start, win, and then uh, it was two games yeah. after that, it started going off the rails for the Rockies in general. And I mean, the, they were able to climb back some, and but I mean, with that stretch of losing, and then the most recent stretch in where they're fourteen and thirty three since late June, when you're having pitching with an ERA north of six, and I mean it's not even close to being below six, you you cannot expect to win. You you have to have more. Solid pitching. I mean, sure, the the offense has struggled some, but I mean, it's a lot of these games haven't even been close. Yeah. Like with the Houston series, eleven six, fourteen three, and then you had the um some of the games in the Father's Day series even, where I mean, you shouldn't be losing no. games sixteen to twelve or fourteen to thirteen. So anyway, heading into this Marlins series, uh, here's who's going for the Marlins. Uh, on uh, Friday, it'll be right-handed pitcher Sandy Alcantara, 4-10 uh, record and 4.44 ERA. On Saturday, Hector Noisy, 0-2 uh, with an 8.18 ERA. And then finishing up on Sunday is right-hander Jordan Yamamoto, 4-4 with 4.42 ERA. The Rockies are going to counter with Friday, John Gray, Saturday, Herman Marquez, Sunday, Peter Lambert. And one thing that I'm really interested to see as far as Gray goes is obviously he had his last starting pushback because of ankle soreness. And again, that stems back to San Diego. And Bud Black told us in the media that John slipped uh, coming down one of the steps in San Diego. But John also told us after the game that he also injured his ankle, uh, or at least rolled it a little bit, 
running to first base on trying to be that infield single. So I asked Bud after the media scrum, and then I followed up with Jenny Kavnar uh, from AT&T Sportsnet, who was out there with me in San Diego, about the ankles, and they both confirmed that they were different ankles. Uh, so John not only rolled one ankle running to first base, but also kind of uh, made the other one score by slipping those steps in San Diego. So rough stretch there, and obviously a needed pushback for John to this Friday start. However, we know that Jeff Hoffman didn't exactly come through when needed. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's been the problem with Hoffman in general. And I'll be interested to see as we head to the offseason what the Rockies decide to do with him. Because, I mean, at the major league level, I mean, even last year, last year he didn't have a ton of work. He only had six games. But, I mean, he started... 16 games and had 23 appearances in 2017 and he pitched to an ERA of nearly six this year he has nine starts and his ERA is nearly eight yeah so I mean you have to decide at some point I mean he's also this offseason he's going to turn 27 so he's starting to get to the point where hey maybe he Maybe he doesn't have it, at least with the Rockies, and I I would not be surprised if they let him go, whether it's in a trade or just not giving him a contract for next year, um, what have you. But I mean, overall for that trade, if um if uh, that he was a part of with the Troy Tulowitzki trade, if he is let go, the only person who would still be on the team or on their respective team that they were going to as a part of that trade is Jesus Tinoco with the Rockies. And and I will say, you know, we were talking about this in the press box here tonight at Coors Field. Tinoco looked good in his last out. He absolutely looked good. Came in after the Hoffman fiasco, which, you know, we were all chatting as well about, isn't it interesting that Tinoco is following Hoffman now in the game? But, uh, you know, he actually looked good. So there's still hope that, Tinoco can come through with, with some decent uh, stats, some decent outings for the Rockies, uh, you know, but I'm also going to be curious to see, obviously he's in the bullpen role now. Everybody has said, oh, he's going to stay in the bullpen, he's going to stay in the bullpen. This is a Rockies team that doesn't have a lot of depth at starting pitching. Could Tinoco be a guy that they revert back maybe to the starter and start stretching him out a little bit? I'll be real curious to see. Yeah, and I mean, as it is with the Rockies' depth, they transferred Chris Russin back to a starter for Albuquerque. Yep. That's how thin the Rockies' depth is. Yeah, and kudos to Nick Grove the other night. Uh, he threw that out on Twitter. Uh, you know, and, and again, I think that just kind of tells us where we are with things as far as the Rockies go, that that's what they're having to do now to find extra depth is, is go back to Chris Russin. And if I'm a Rockies fan right now, that's a little worrisome that that's the next step is hopefully finding a guy like Rustin who can come through. Yeah, and I mean, it's, I honestly, it, it, the best way I can put it, and it's still not a good way, it's, it's pathetic. It is truly pathetic on how bad the depth yeah. is. Yeah. There is beyond zero depth. Yeah. If you're having to transfer a guy who has been injured most of the, well, most of this year, well, I wouldn't say most, part of this year, um, 
and then struggled as much as he did last year. 6.09 ERA in 49 games. So, and I mean, he's turning 33 in October. You're having to transfer him, and I mean, he hasn't necessarily pitched well in Albuquerque this year either. I mean, he's pitched to a 5.94 ERA, and you're having to transfer him to a starter. Mind you, he spent time in Hartford this year, too. Yeah. He's had three appearances in Hartford, which is double A. And you're having to transfer him just to a starter just so you have somebody starting games. That's a problem. Well, and and you have to, if you look at the Rockies, you know, and it's an interesting time as far as depth goes because there is not a lot of major league ready depth there. There are guys coming up through the system that are maybe in Lancaster or Hartford right now who could impact the Rockies, but they're not ready at the moment. So it could be next season before we even see if those guys are potentially ready. So this isn't a problem that's just going to snap and go away unless they do something in the offseason through trades, acquisitions, whatever it might be, to get some guys who are ready to step in right now and make an impact. And as it is with, the, um, for example, Ryan Castellani, he was in Albuquerque, and I mean he's uh, he's pitching in the PCL, so his numbers weren't great. Um, but he's out with shoulder surgery now, so who yep. knows when he's going to be back? So that's biting into your depth even more when you had. If there's such thing as negative depth, the Rockies have it, and you have that, then you have injuries like to Tyler Anderson at the beginning of the season. Then you have pitchers like Freeland who were in Albuquerque for six weeks because they aren't pitching to what they're capable of yeah. in the major leagues. That what that's what gives you negative depth, and that that's part of the reason why Russin's starting now. Yeah, there's there's a lot of you know, and, and Rockies fans, you know, there's a lot of issues right now, and and this is certainly a, a tough time, but. What happens in the off season, which certainly we're going to be tracking, we're going to be talking about in the in future podcasts, is going to be so critical for the team moving forward in the twenty twenty. So, uh, Noah, ha- Noah, hey, Noah, Noah, <laughs> boy, Woo, I tell you, uh, <laughs> was just getting ready to say, you know, hopefully the Rockies can build off Nolan's uh, walk off yesterday as we started the podcast with. Uh, curious to see how they come out against the Marlins. Uh, dare we say maybe they've got a shot at a sweep? Yeah, I mean, with the Marlins, they're going into, at least with this series, I would say, um, they're going into their softer schedule. Um, I mean, the past two weeks or so, they've had a really tough schedule, and it ends today with facing the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are at least if the first three games of the series are any indication, the Marlins are just going to be completely annihilated today. Um, but um, the, after the Rocky series, they face the Braves, Phillies, and Reds, which, I mean, the Braves and Phillies are still no cakewalk, but um, the past, uh, the, their past uh, 15 games, the Marlins are 3-12, and 12, and part of the reason is yeah. because the people they face. They faced the Twins for three games, and the Twins are battling with the Indians for the top spot in the AL Central. They faced 
two, uh, they faced Tampa for two games. They got swept, including a doubleheader, by the Mets. Who the Mets, I mean, for Rockies fans, they're hoping a Mets story will happen where it looked like they were dead and buried, and now the Mets look like they're right back in it. Um, then they faced the Braves for four, and then they faced the Dodgers. I, I said it was a four-game series, actually a three-game series. Um, and the third game will be today. But uh, for the first two games in the Dodgers series, the Marlins have got two runs, and the Dodgers have got 24. Yeah. So if that, that tells you right there. Um, but since, since July 30th, when that stretch started for the Marlins, they've mm -hmm. pitched to a team ERA wow. of 636. So that doesn't look good, but the only problem is in that span for the Rockies, their team ERA is north of seven. So, wouldn't be surprised, even though the Marlins' offense is not good. I mean, entering entering Wednesday, they had a team on base percentage less than 300. Um, but with both pitching staff struggling, would not be surprised to see a well, few. We'll find out. We, we will be there covering it, making sure that you guys are kept up to date with everything going on uh, with this Rockies team. Uh, Noah, thanks so much for the time. As always, the insight. Always enjoy talking to you, man. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.